Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and as usual, I'm here with my friend and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Hey, Father Len. Hey, Irish. So recently, we did an episode responding to the coronavirus pandemic, and we ended up wrestling with what is evil why there is evil in the world, and how God uses pain and suffering and loss, you know, caused by pandemics and other tragedies, to actually help us mature and become better and more complete human beings. In that episode, and I think it was episode five, if anybody who's listening wants to go back and give it a listen, you introduced us to St. Irenaeus and his view that there are two kinds of evil, intrinsic or moral evil, Uh, the evil that originates in us, we cause it, and extrinsic or natural evil uh, that originates outside of us, we have no control over it. Things like hurricanes and earthquakes and floods. And at the end of the episode, you said that you'd like to do a follow-up on the nature of evil, looking more at moral or human evil and our part in causing evil. So, Father Len, let's dive into that. Oh, great. So, um, so speaking about moral evil or human evil, to me, that's the hardest one to grapple with. Uh, not the natural disasters that happen, but the ones caused by human beings. And there's a great line in the Old Testament where the people basically put God on trial and um, they basically say, look at how terrible the world is. Look at, you know, all these problems of murder and, uh, you know, lives being ruined. And in the trial, God says, oh, no, no, no. That is what you chose. That was never my plan. That's what you people have done to yourself. And a lot of times I think when we're wrestling with human evil, it's really this responsibility we have to wrestle within ourselves. And one thing I love about Christianity, Christianity is probably more obsessed about the idea of evil, of wrestling with it, than any other religion. Hmm. And in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, and I'll try and spare you all the Hebrew. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I don't speak Hebrew. <laughs> well, either do I. I just study it. But there's this beautiful passage where the rabbis note that in several places— there's these odd phrases and spellings. And when God created a human being, and this is in the nutshell, the rabbinic tradition centers on this, uh, sometimes in in English you'll hear it as the evil and the good impulses in the human heart. But in the Hebrew, when God created human beings, there's two impulses. The yetzer hara, which is the selfish impulse, and the Yetzer Hatov, the good impulse. And the rabbi saw that God created the humans with these two different impulses. And they noticed every word. They noticed, um, like, when it says um, uh, God created mankind, or in um, Deuteronomy, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. You have this odd wording of the word all, and it has this double consonants. So the rabbis concluded, given all this, that 
God created humans with two different and rival sources of energy, with humans in this contest between these two competing energies. And these impulses were there at the beginning of our creation. And so evil is seen as this disordering of the human raw impulse, raw uh, in the sense of um, selfish. Evil is misusing these impulses for evil. And so the good impulse is the tove in, impulse. It's something like what we'd call a conscience or an inner sense that alerts us to when we're both violating God's law and urging us to live these lives of generous care for other people, like giving to other people. That's the tove. The raw is the selfish impulse. And that also is innate in human beings from the womb. Now, sometimes in English, they'll translate this word as evil. Technically, it's not evil. This impulse is not demonic. Uh, it's not unnatural. Uh, it's not hostile to God's creation. And in Genesis 8, it says, the yetzer of the human heart is always raw from the beginning. So sometimes you'll find some mistranslation saying, oh, human beings are evil from the beginning. It doesn't say evil. It uses the word raw, which you translate as, um, it's hard to translate, but raw is more or less uh, this selfish impulse. It's not demonic. It's natural. So, the, oh, so, so why would God create us with this raw, selfish uh, reaction, this impulse? What you're, you're kind of, it sounds like you're saying that there is a good part to that. There's a reason for it. There is. And it could be misused or something. But exactly. So, so why would God is, explain that? Explain why we have this good impulse and the selfish one. Okay, so um, the raw one, which you could translate selfish, it's rooted in this kind of self-interest or self-protection. Um, and... It's about maintaining your own self. So this impulse to protect yourself or protect your family, that's the raw impulse. And even like rabbis could say, when you see this child who, when you see a child, it'll hide behind its parent's leg. They say that that fear is, um, that raw impulse is for self-preservation. So the rabbis say this, this fear can be developed into a paranoia if you're not careful or aggression, or greed, or worse, if it's not mastered. So it's not evil, but it must be mastered. And this fearful impulse, this raw impulse, um, if psychologists have shown that fearful people, they lash out with more aggression. So it, it, the bad impulse or the raw impulse, it enables human beings to build houses and engage into business. It's not evil but it does have self-preservation so that you, you create a business and you go to work and um, it's an impulse in the human heart. Does that make sense? Yeah. But and so, if it so, overtakes you, it could lead to greed and anger, but it does protect one's life. Um, and even the rabbis would say that without the Yetzer Hara, there wouldn't any, be any passion for work or business. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's really interesting. So fear and this raw, well, it's they're kind of 
bundled together there, this right. selfish and this fear and whatever, and it could be used for good or bad or not so useful, that kind of thing. Fear is that way too. Fear can... Well, when I say fear, I mean uh, the raw is kind of a fear. It's self-protection. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm hearing that. I get that. And the rabbis would say that there's something wrong with a human person who doesn't have this kind of raw impulse to provide for one's family and take care of oneself. They would say that's a disorder as well. But it's also a disorder to let the raw impulse get out of control because it's also the source of self-interest. Um, and the danger, of course, is that self-interest can become excessive and overmaster us. So think about this. There's these two impulses. And the older you get, you're supposed to have control over your raw impulse. So from the Jewish perspective, there's not this over-dramatization of evil. The Jewish thought is that um, the desire to uh, it distinguish itself from more like fundamentalistic Christians that say um, that, oh, it's Satan. All my problems and struggles, it's all because of Satan. Not saying it's not, but the Jewish thought would be, uh, well, no, you must master it. That selfishness is a rebellion against God when it gets out of control. Um, so, yes, we'd say Satan tempts us uh, to misuse the raw impulse for rebellion or to redefine good and evil. But God says you must master it. So God, when he says to uh, Cain, he says sin is crouching at your door, but you can master it. It will try to master you, but you can master it. So the way of self-discipline is the way of the will of God. It is crouching at your door. It seeks to master you, but you can master it day after day after day. You can master this impulse so that it's used for good. But otherwise, if it overtakes you like a lion, it will destroy you. Everything will be fearful and greed and aggression. So Judaism is concerned with this daily mastering of this impulse, with small daily acts. So some people have criticized, I, I like this criticism of Judaism, that it's a religion concerned with pots and pans, uh. all these minute decisions. But that's what I like about Judaism, that in each of your daily decisions, you're either misusing or using correctly the raw impulse. So evil, in this sense, for the rabbis, is not supernatural. It's not some supernatural that um, force against us. It's actually this internal impulse in us that we are allowing to get out of control. Uh, we're not mastering. So, Father Len, let's give some everyday examples of this, where this raw impulse turns into something bad. Maybe you don't call it evil. The first thing that I kind of think of is the way politics seems, and I'd hate to bring politics into this, but politics today seems to be more of this win at all costs, you know, yeah, I mean, that it, it's always a win-lose. It's not, you know, what's best for the people and the world and whatever. It's can we win the argument? Can we win the battle? And and it it becomes this very selfish kind of situation that is so non-productive. I mean, that's one of the best examples I can think of right now of I mean, what I think you're saying. Yeah. Uh, that um, politics or 
sometimes sports that you're allowing to cheat because my team has to win at all costs yep. or even in the office politics where instead of being uh, vocal and being honest about a problem, you turn to, you know, meetings after the meetings where you uh, all gang up on somebody else and sabotage somebody else's career. That's a misuse of the raw impulse. Totally. And, okay. So then we're, we're on the same page. I, I totally get it then. So it, it's, a, it's a good impulse, especially when you're younger for self-preservation. Yep. But the older you get, you really must master that. That is what God is saying, uh, that you must master it or it will master you. And in the Talmud, it says the evil impulse, and they mean the, I, I hate the term evil impulse, the raw impulse, is first called a wayfarer, and then a guest, and finally master. And the idea is that uh, because you never mastered it, it will master you. And so you pray and pray, you become very conscious of why you're choosing what you're doing. So evil is something that we meet in our own hearts, in our own lives, every single day on what we choose. Um, so either you meet the challenge or you don't. And this struggle between you know, controlling the raw impulse, this is a gift God gave humanity so that we can reach maturity. So evil serves as this challenge that God promises that um, this selfishness will never overwhelm the people of God. Uh, that God makes this covenant that he won't let other people's raw overtake them. So like my joke about every Jewish feast, if you want to know what the, any feast is in Judaism, it's always the same. They tried to destroy us. They failed. Let's celebrate. Um, God promises them that but God also promises them that he won't let this raw impulse overwhelm themselves. That God will take dramatic steps to make sure that raw, the raw impulse. So that's why God brings the prophets. The people are very religious. But, you know, you can twist religion to support a raw, selfish impulse. God, so, God sends the prophets in exile. So God makes this promise. Oh, I'll hold you accountable, but you will wrestle with this raw one, and I'll force it. And even Jesus makes the promise uh, to the church where Christ says, I will not let the gates of hell prevail against you. I think that's as echo, that um, he'll hold us accountable to the raw impulses that we let out of control. But he'll never let us destroy us, even when it comes with great pain. So this so is really, is, oh, go, ahead. Um, go ahead, the point is, I'm sorry. Well, the point is, when you talk about human evil, human evil is real, but it's something human beings must deal with. And the practice of religion is about gaining control, in one sense, of this raw impulse. Redemption is kind of returning to this innocence where you're free, where the raw impulse doesn't control you. And I think a lot of times when people ask the question of, well, why did God allow X to happen? Right. And the X is always uh, someone or yourself's raw impulse got out of control. And of course, the answer is free will. But if God didn't give us that, then we'd be no better than a toaster. When I use my toaster and put the bread in the toaster, the toaster only has one choice. <laughs> um it, it can't mature. It can't say, well, today I don't feel like it. Um, yep. You know, uh, so if you want bravery, 
If you want people to be brave, you have to give them the ability to wrestle with being what it means to be a coward. If you want people to be loving, um, you have to allow them to wrestle with being selfish and jealousy and all those other things. That's what free will does. So when people say, well, why can't God just force people? Because people are not a toaster. And if all we had was one choice, then we wouldn't be human beings. Love, bravery, courage wouldn't exist. It comes with a very heavy price that evil exists in the human heart. But my point being is that if you really look at the great literature, it's always this wrestling with the human heart. The, uh, like uh, Solzhenitsyn said, the line between good and evil runs down the heart, uh, lies, sorry, runs through the middle of every human heart. And for me, and this is why I love the story of Huck Finn. Mark Twain's Huck Finn is this beautiful example because um, Huck Finn, he's this unwanted child. I think his dad is the town drunk, if I remember, and he was living in a barrel and uh, Miss Watson kind of takes him in and shows him a lot of kindness. But Miss Watson tries to make him a good person according to the Victorian ethics of the white South. And so... Um, in one sense, she's very religious, but uh, her religion is very ugly. And at one point, Huck Finn tries to run away. And he gets joined up with this black slave trying to escape, Jim. And Jim is Mrs. Watson's slave. And at first, Huck Finn just is going along with Jim so he can escape. But then his, his conscience starts to wrestle with him. Because he was taught not to steal, that stealing was evil. And Jim is $800 of somebody else's property. Jim is not really a human being. He's property. And Huck Finn kind of falls in love with Jim. And Jim, when they're getting close to freedom, the closer they get to freedom, the more it weighs on Huck Finn's conscience. That he's, that he's stealing somebody's property. He's doing morally what he was raised not to do. Right. Hmm. And he looks at Jim and he, when Jim is sleeping once, um, Jim is crying because he misses his wife and his child. And Huck Finn thinks, wow, he loves his wife and his child the same way white people do. And he falls in love with Jim. And at one point, the slave catchers are after Jim. And um, Huck writes a note I think this is around chapter 31. Huck, Huck writes a note where he's writing where they can find Jim. And his hand starts to tremble and his conscience is wrestling because he's come to love Jim. Jim is just like every other human being. But he was raised that they're not human beings. They're nothing more than property. Um, and he starts to wrestle. And he tears up the note. And... Uh, he tears up the note and he says, I know I'm going to go to hell for this, uh, for allowing somebody to steal. Um, I know I'm going to go to hell for this and I'll do that and even worse, but I will not turn in Jim. So when Jim comes, Huck Finn says, and this is a key phrase, he says, they're after us, not after you, they're after us. And it's this great evolution of, um, of uh, morality. 
that white Christian morality in the deep south taught him how to be prim, or tried to teach him how to be prim and proper. And the irony is, Huck thinks he's immoral. Huck thinks that he's going to burn in hell. But his immorality is actually morality, even if he can't recognize it. And society's morality is actually immorality. And in the story, um, uh, Mark Twain is not being uh, a scripture scholar, but we'd say Huck, Huck Finn chose to listen to his Yetzer Tov, that generous, loving part. Um, and society in uh, slave-owning states is overwhelmed with the uh, rove impulse. But they're allowed to misuse human beings just for wealth. And they have this whole theme in the book of freedom. I mean, Jim is just trying to get free from slavery and free his family. Freedom for Huck, on the other hand, it depends not reaching a certain uh, place, but a certain state of mind of seeing how all these prejudice and belief about other people and himself are all false. And that's a great, it's a great story about wrestling with really what is true morality. And Huck, he does master his raw impulse. He's not selfish in the slightest. He does, the impulse is to save his life and Jim's life, but it doesn't overwhelm to lash out in greed or abuse of other people. And his Tove impulse, the generous one, it overtakes him. Um, so so, so say, really what you're saying, Father Lynn, it's interesting, is that we're, uh, this is what I'm understanding, is that we're constantly, th- this battle in our heart is between our good impulse and our raw impulse. And our raw impulse which you're kind of defining loosely as a selfish kind of impulse. Self-preservation. Can, self-preservation yeah. can be good, but then it can slip into evil if you're not, if you, you know, if you don't really examine it. So God's asking us to constantly examine our impulses and and try to determine and respond to the good impulse and not let our self-preservation impulse go too far to where we might be hurting other people, we might, you know, be, become greedy, uh, we might want to win at all costs. I mean, th- th- this is a powerful over, conversation. Over, over and over again in the Bible, the raw impulse, starting with Cain, rather than try and love his brother, the raw impulse for self-preservation destroys life. In the Deep South, you know, um, Slave, the slave business was very lucrative, money-making business. But our way of life, uh, the way we earn our money, if we're not careful, God is right. It's a crouching tiger. If we don't master it, it will master us. I love that. I, th- I think that's a really good place to... Well, well hold on. Let me, so when you... people say, why doesn't God force Irish to behave this way? <laughs> um, well... Not force you, force me. (laughs) I'm the the evil one, right? Well, we know you. But (laughs) they want want to take the human person out of the battle and make it God's responsibility. Does that make... uh, No. It's like an abdication of responsibility. Yeah. Why doesn't God just take all responsibility away from people? Then they wouldn't be people. Wouldn't be Um, human. We all must wrestle with the raw impulse. And... 
let's face it, when we're younger, we make a lot of mistakes. Um, I make plenty now. (laughs) But hopefully the older we get, we are mastering it. So the tove, the good impulse, uh, comes out. And so, yeah, there is human evil, and it is, let's face it, it's the most destructive at all. It's far worse than coronaviruses and hurricanes. For sure. It's also what it means to be a human being is wrestle with this. Some human beings choose to spend their life mastering it, and other human beings choose to give into it. And then they build a religion that says this is good. Wow. Uh, That's awesome, Father Lynn. Uh, I, I really like this conversation today. I think this is a good place for us to to uh, end this episode, and I really hope you'll join us next time uh, as we continue this conversation, this journey, climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth and meaning and purpose in our lives. And in the meantime, if you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It helps other people discover us. And if you have a question for us to grapple with, uh, like the one we did today, just head over to our website. That's www.gshow.com. That's www.gshow.com. I think I can say that right. Uh, Click on the questions button. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Mm -hmm.